Hello, and welcome to the Teaching and Tech podcast brought to you by SUNY Empire State College. Each month, one of the college's educational technologists interviews a faculty mentor and discusses with them any aspect of educational technology. We'll dive into why it's cool and the way the faculty mentor uses it, how you could use it too. This month, we will be talking to faculty mentor Joanne Kingsley about her use of Moodle and some of the basics of being a distance educator during this COVID-19 quarantine. This interview you hear today is part one of two. Well, hi, Joanne. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. We Happy really to be appreciate here. it. Um, so can you give us a bit of your academic background, what you teach at Empire State College, and some other things about you that are related to how you teach? Sure. So my, my educational background uh, includes uh, changing my mind a lot of different times. And when I was in you know undergrad school at SUNY Oswego, I actually went there three years and did a lot of like free pre-physical therapy, math and science and social science courses. Then I left for a year and traveled around. And then I went back and uh, did two years of studio art. So my bachelor's degree is technically in studio art, but that was when they let you get 164 credits. So I have a, a very broad liberal arts and sciences bachelor's degree. And then I went and got my master's degree in uh, actually creative arts therapy from Pratt Institute in Brooklyn uh, at the end of the 80s. I lived in Brooklyn, so that was a good experience for somebody from uh, upstate New York in the Finger Lakes. Yeah, I can relate to that. I had the same experience. Um, you said that you traveled for a bit. Was it anywhere that was really exciting that had an impact on your view of people and the world? Uh, in a way, yeah. I went to Texas for a little while and stayed with my dad. So that's always an eye-opening experience. And then I was in Boulder, Colorado for a while. And, you know, I like to sort of joke around and say I went to Boulder to find myself and I wasn't there either. So. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, you know, it's, it's always good to drive across the country and see the, you know, just the geography of the country. Mm. And just to be absolutely amazed at, you know, the difference between, you know, Las Vegas and the Grand Canyon and the southwest and the northwest. And, you know, it's, it's really phenomenal how flat Kansas is, for example. And, you know, so to be back in the Finger Lakes is always a, a refreshing uh, thing because it's beautiful. And, you know, New York State is really a beautiful state. So I, I enjoy working for a college that, that lets me feel like I'm connected to the whole state. Yes, and we are connected to the whole state. We're constantly talking to everybody today in different parts. I mean, you're in Finger Lakes, I'm in the Albany area, and we've got colleagues in Long Island, colleagues in New York, and even colleagues in other countries that mm -hmm. don't, and even I, when I started at Empire State College, I didn't realize just how many international students we had. Yeah. And how many campuses we have, and like the sheer number is way bigger than I ever imagined. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. pretty cool. Um, from my own interests, you know, being someone who has a background in, in creativity and the performing arts, you, you have a master's in creative arts healing. Could you, could you talk more about that? Because that sounds fascinating and I can't really fully like wrap my head around it. 
Yeah, creative arts therapy is, um, it's a field of psychotherapy. And when I got my degree back at the end of the 80s, New York State did not have a license for art therapy, but now they do. So mm. it's technically under the, you know, it's under the Office of Professions, the New York State Office of Professions, under the licensed mental health practitioners. There's a section for creative arts therapy. And basically, you know, you have to have a master's degree and do a certain number of supervised hours and take a licensing exam and all of that. And so uh, I have a master's, but I don't have a license. But mm. the, the, the general idea of the field is that it's a, a collection of different uh, creative modalities that are used therapeutically. So the program mm. I went to focused really on visual art, but there are also programs with dance therapy, music therapy, drama, poetry therapy. Uh, there's another one called psychodrama, mm. which is a little different, <clears throat> excuse me, than, than drama therapy. But it basically has to do with using not only creative expression, but also symbolism and metaphor in a way to express mm. what's going on kind of maybe underneath what our regular brain would be saying, you know? So like an example that I like to give is, you know, when we say, oh, that's driving me up the wall, right? It's a metaphor, right? So if we wanted to play with it, right? So you follow the image and you play with whatever it is, you're like, so who's, who's driving what up the wall? Where is the wall? What are you driving? Are you driving, you know, are you an active member of making yourself go in up and over the obstacle? Or mm. does that obstacle seem so huge that you'll never get over the wall? Mm. So it helps people, it, it, it's a way of using creative visualization and even expression to kind of tease apart the subtleties of our belief systems about things. So if we, you know, so it's really fascinating if you if you sort of tune into that as a an activity, that, mm -hmm. that something like that can go on, that you can actually tap into um, some other form of processing that you're not normally aware of, and then you realize like, oh, you say I'm seeing red. Okay, so if you look behind me, and for those of you that can't see the video, you'll you'll be able to to know that there's a red painting with a silver line and that's sort of my own personal art therapy where I had all this rage and I wanted to put a silver lining, you know, so we can play with the words and make an image or mm. a dance or a song or a poem and transform our belief system so that it can take on a new capacity. Mm. That's excellent. That's really fascinating. Now, there are some other, you know, myself being a musician and um, into physical fitness, there were some other things that we talked about outside of, you know, before the, this interview, uh, about some other things you do, your involvement with music in the area there and your involvement as a massage therapist, too, I believe. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I got a massage license in 2004. I went back to school here in Ithaca at the Finger Lake School of Massage. Unfortunately, that has since closed. Um, I don't know how to make this stop beeping. <laughs> None of us do. This is, this is part of our, our uh, ed tech challenge is how to not be overly distracted by the bells and whistles. Oh my goodness. Yep. So, yeah. 
Yeah, so mindfulness, right, it could be something that we talk about when we have all these distractions. But yeah, so I went and got a, a massage therapy license, and so I'm a half-time faculty mentor at Empire, focusing on community human service and studies related to holistic healing and spiritual resilience, uh, mm -hmm. sometimes sensory integration and integrative wellness, sometimes some creative arts therapy or expressive arts therapy which is sort of a combination of different modalities. Mm -hmm. And um, not sure if I answered your question. Absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> you can answer it and then some, that's for sure. So obviously, you know, we're, we're not a, for people who don't know about Empire State College, we don't have a traditional campus with dormitory and a basketball stadium and a cafeteria. We are a bunch of separate, um, what look like offices uh, with some meeting rooms where students, you know, come and those students are traditionally adult age. But, um, but there has been a strong, a large component of what we do is fully online, but there's still a traditional component of what we do as in traditional for Empire State College of meeting face to face in one capacity or another. So now, obviously, with the coronavirus, we've been at Empire State College, faculty have all been, um, uh, have to work from home. So, you know, we're having to ramp up the use of technology even more. But now, before all of this, all of this quarantine stuff, Joanne, how did you use technology before we've all had to be quarantined now and teach fully online? To an extent. Well, <clears throat> I had the lucky opportunity to be a representative to the ITC, the Integrative Technology Committee, uh, a few years back. And um, I learned a lot at Empire about the technologies that are available. And so although I don't take advantage of all of the technologies, I'm glad to know about them. <laughs> mm. So um, when I first joined that committee, I had never taught a class online using the Moodle Rooms platform. Okay. But then I had a chance to. So I did that a couple of times. And that gave me sort of uh, a better understanding of, you know, the vocabulary of not only how it's structured into modules, but how the discussion forums can work and the posting assignments and things like that. And mm -hmm. um, so that was that was a structured course that I did, um, you know, that somebody else developed. Right. So a, a team of faculty and instructional designers and probably ed tech designed those Moodle courses. And mm -hmm. what I've done instead is uh, I sort of stopped doing that for a number of reasons. But I went back to what a lot of the people in my region and the Rochester region had always done, which was guided independent studies. And so what that generally means is that, you know, there's a learning contract and we focus on what the description is, what the learning outcomes are, and then we align the activities to the, the learning outcomes. Mm -hmm. And instead of having a structured, what I like to call place to go to school, which is the Moodle rooms, right? So if somebody says, where do you go to school? Like if you're an online student, you say, oh, online. Mm -hmm. So it's like it's kind of like this little portal that you can get inside the little classroom and you can see all the things that are going on. Mm -hmm. Whereas with guided independent studies, there's a wide range that's, that faculty use of how to collect the information and be in communication with the students. 
And so I have uh, sort of erred on the side of the old ways, in part because I'm not always that comfortable jumping into technology as soon as it launches because I just don't feel confident. So I've sort of kept all my student work in my emails. Mm. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to, over the years, learn about all these different things, because I want to stop doing that. <laughs> and so I know that there are ways now uh, to set up Moodle shells and have independent study students within that kind of umbrella of the Moodle course, um, mm -hmm. even if it's not structured like an online course. Mm. So that's, to me, that it's about uh, using the tools, right, like you're mentioning, um, so that we can work in a way that feels more efficient, not only for us, but also for the students and to give them better feedback on a more regular basis. Yeah, especially when you have a, a, a large number of students and, you know, <clears throat> 20 can feel like a large number when they're all posting at once, when they're all handing in assignments, when yes. they all have final projects and they're all emailing you yes. trying to get communications with you yes click the who sent me what when right and where and how yeah uh -huh. <laughs> yes yes because i do i do also because i work at a distance already even before all of this i do let students have my cell phone number and i do text with my students sure. and i find that very helpful actually to to tell them that, you know, first of all, just to give them the opportunity to contact me, mm -hmm. even if they never really contact me, it seems like they appreciate knowing that they can. Mm -hmm. So that's that to me, that's part of like looking at how I use the technology. It's like, well, what's the goal of the interaction? Mm -hmm. Right. So yesterday I was on a call with some faculty and I asked them how it went for them to work at a distance. And so some people mentioned a number of different tools that they use. Somebody said that they were having a Skype meeting with their students that they usually meet face-to-face -face with, but instead they've converted it over to a Skype meeting. I know some people use Zoom video conferencing. I know that that can be problematic um, and that there can be some uh, Zoom bombing, they call it, right? So I actually was on a Zoom call where that happened. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so was I, I. Yep. Yeah, so I got to experience just enough of that to know what they mean when they say, oh, Zoom is outside of the Empire State Firewall. Yes. And that it can be accessed by anybody <clears throat> at any time. Yeah. And so, one of the things that I have been sensitive to with using different technology tools is that question of does SUNY Empire support it? If I need help with it, you know, what do they think about it? So I've started, so I did do a couple of team uh, or Zoom meetings, I mean, over since this COVID thing started. Mm -hmm. And so that did give me a chance to feel more confident to do video calling. And yeah. so I think that's a piece of it, right? So you, we can have all the tools, but if the faculty, and I can speak for myself, if I don't feel comfortable having the camera or my voice, or what if I trip over my words and how awkward will I feel then? And like, it's very easy to, to sort of spin that negative scenario of embarrassing ourselves. Mm -hmm. But once we realize that we can stop and edit, <laughs> maybe mm -hmm. not in exactly in the same way as when we're typing an email, but 
you know, mm-hmm. I can stop just like I would on the telephone. I can say a few things and then I can stop and say, well, let me phrase it differently. And I can change what I'm saying. We don't have to have all of the script, right? Right. All set out exactly. We can be spontaneous and show our vulnerabilities to our students because then Mm -hmm. they're going to be more likely to be willing to show the vulnerability that they have to experience as students. Yeah, I I can relate to that because when I went back and changed careers into this field now, uh, it was mostly online. And at that time, instructor use of video was not common at all, uh, except for one instructor who I had. Uh, she utilized video to do her feedback. And it was phenomenal because, you know, as an online student in your house, you know, just the, and we're seeing this now with, with the quarantine, you know, the ability to see a person's face and hear them talk, hear their voice means way more than, than what they're saying. Mm-hmm. You know, especially yeah. for students who are stressed out because they're now in this, and in our case, well, who we teach mostly a career change or, or need to get this degree out of some kind of obligation in order to keep being employed, right? They have a lot at stake. So um, having that instructor connection as much as possible when you're stuck in this online scenario where there is no given face-to-face really helps a lot. And... Um, uh, I just can't help but let anyone, anyone who's a faculty member just know that, that students love seeing you. They do not care if you're, you know, if you feel like your hair is not right or if you're not saying things correctly, they don't care. They just want to see you so they can feel that you care, you know? Yes. So that's a biggie that I discovered on my own. And I see that with students, too. And now, of course, at Empire State College, we have the ability for students to create their own videos as well, which is also fun. So mm-hmm. when we talked before, you had said you've got some new kind of assignments here at ESC, which is causing having you utilize technology more than you did in the past, like especially Moodle. Can you talk about some of that? Yes. Yes. I, there was one faculty member who needed to step away from her independent study students for a, a few weeks. And so what happened was the instructional designers put her students into a Moodle shell. Mm-hmm. And that gave me a chance to see how you could take a group of independent study students and work with them within this Moodle shell without having the structured modules with deadlines. Mm-hmm. And that was very good. So instead, we had the learning contract and we talked about the assignments, but we used that Moodle space as, a, as an opportunity for the students to connect with each other mm. because that is something that happens not enough with independent right. study students when they're on an email or, and just talking to me. Absolutely. So, you know, what I, what I have found, and I certainly saw it when I had the chance to use this Moodle shell recently, is that like, I agree with you that people want to see you, but if they can't see you, they want to hear you, mm-hmm. Right. And if they can't see you or hear you, they want to feel you in some way. So sometimes in writing, you can get your sort of voice across or you can get the sense of who you are across, even if sometimes, and even this can happen anytime, you know, where there's a misjudgment or I thought you said this or 
I didn't understand the tone of voice in your email or your text. Sometimes that can be a little bit tricky, right? Mm -hmm. um, but what I what I have found that works over the years, because I'm always like trying different things to see what seems to give me the best uh, course completion and student retentions, and that is that if I make contact with the students, mm -hmm. any kind of which way at all, <laughs> if I make contact with them initially and create some sense of connectedness, right, some sort of a bond in the beginning of the term, then even if I don't talk to them for a little while, we've already made that bond. And so then mm -hmm. when we do talk to each other, we have, well, remember when we talked about this or we had this previous connection. And then, mm -hmm. you know, I might know something more about their life or what their work schedule is or how they're, you know, approaching their career or their training. And then they feel like I know them, you know, like you're talking about, they want to see us, but more, more importantly, they want to be seen. Mm -hmm. And they want it right. And so one of the challenges of all of this distant learning is, you know, you get the names on a spreadsheet and you're like, mm. okay, who are those people? Right. So, it, you know, it would be helpful to have a picture of them or their dog or, their, you know, like, you know, to have that, that, that connectivity with them as a human. Yeah. But I think that that's where these newer tools can come in handy and, and so there was a period of time that we thought maybe Moodle was going to go away and that we were going to get a new learning management system. And so now it appears that some of that has gotten sorted out and we're, you know, heading toward a new opportunity with them, let's just say. So I think that that gives faculty a sense of hope. You know, those of us who weren't really sure if we should bother to learn it because we thought maybe it was going to go away. And now it's definitely going to stay. And so what I found really helpful was talking with the uh, instructional designers and just seeing how very quickly she could put it together and put a discussion thing in there. And then, you know, people like Linda Lawrence and there's other people across the college who can help with just one on one training and questions about, mm -hmm. you know, I want to put in this little thing, you know, but it's I, I think that the the. The, just like any other tool, you know, if you buy a cordless drill, if you've never used a cordless drill ever in your life, mm -hmm. then there's only so much you're going to be able to do with it without having someone show you or without going through some trial and error. Yeah. So the thing about the tools that I see is that there is an amount of trial and error that has to happen in order to get to a strategy. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's one of the pieces that I've noticed for myself is that if I really cut some myself some slack and I say, well, I didn't grow up with this stuff. <laughs> you know, I'm not a digital native, as they call it. Right. right. I'm a I'm a newcomer to some of this stuff, although yeah. I did grow up with uh, technology. So I, I grew up on a farm where we had technology that was farther ahead than say my grandfather's farm sure yeah so i understand you know that things that are uh you know that work better <laughs> and faster and make the work go more efficiently um it can can it just in general increase the productivity of everyone yeah so one of the things that i see as the, as like i started to play with the microsoft teams a little bit 
Um, just to try to see how that can work and how I can invite people to come together around topics that I'm interested in, like integrative health and wellness at mm -hmm. SUNY Empire, mm -hmm. um, you know, like putting together international programs with special connections that I have mm -hmm. or, or whatever. Um, it seems like within Microsoft Teams, that's a place where we can invite people into conversations whether they're students or faculty or whoever they are, and you know, really use it as a collaborative site. Yeah, it's great as a collaborative site outside of the need for courses. Mm -hmm. It's great. It's great for that. And you know, it reminds me sometimes folks um, at ESC are confused as to what the roles are between the instructional designer and the ed tech. And the way we like to put it is that you work with the instructional designer before the course goes live. Mm -hmm. And then once your course goes live, and if you have any tools you want to put in there, you work with the ed tech. Uh-huh. Basically. That's how that's how we 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 say it to folks. So they so they get like, who do I go to? So like to build a course, you go to the designer, and once the course is live and the designer's like, here you go, then when you have your day-to-day -day questions, your 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 tool guidance that would come from the ed techs. Mm -hmm. You've just listened to part one of a two-part interview with faculty mentor Joanne Kingsley on utilizing Moodle and teaching at a distance during the quarantine. If you enjoyed this episode, join us again next month for part two, and please recommend us to your friends and colleagues. You can find us on LearnScape, SoundCloud, and iTunes.